What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the Game Informer Show, a weekly podcast covering the video game industry. Join us every Thursday for a discussion about the latest gaming news, reviews, and exclusive reveals alongside Game Informer staff and special guests from around the industry. I'm your host, Alex Van Aken, and today I'm joined by Blake Hester. What's going on, Blake? Hello. Thank you for having me. First time, long time. I'll take my answer off the air. Thank you for being here, and congrats on the launch of Something Rotten with former GI intern turned internet sensation Jacob Geller. Thank you. If you ever wanted to hear me talk about video games, you're in luck. I'm doing that on a podcast now. But specifically yeah, violent video, video games. games too. Yeah, the Manhunt series. The cowards at GI won't let me cover it. That's not true. I've never asked. I'm sure they'd let me. Check it out wherever you find podcasts. Yeah, go listen to it. Something Rotten. Uh, what is it? Season 3? Season 3. There are uh, nice. two other seasons. Season one was on Max Payne 3. Season two was on the Kanan Lynch series. Awesome. Well, yeah, I encourage everybody uh, who listens to this show to go and listen to Something Rotten. Thank it's real you. good. I've listened to part of episode one. Um, and the only reason I stopped was we had to record this episode. Um, we are also rounded out by Marcus Stewart, uh, the guy who wrote our Resident Evil 4 uh, cover story this month. My travel companion to Osaka earlier in January. How you doing, Marcus? I'm doing well. I'm excited to be here, talk some Resident Evil with my my two favorite people on planet Earth. That, yeah, I don't think that's true, Marcus. Like you, you, you like you got like childhood I, I friends, you. your mom. Yeah. I don't need family. Those. I don't need those like, things. I got you various guys. <laughs> various members of the AEW. You know, like, come on. <laughs> I like I, I appreciate that you think I'm tight with AEW as an organization. Um, I, um, you know, funny enough, you two are the only people I've traveled to Japan with on two separate occasions. So, I mean, I think that makes us like tight in a way. Right. We've we've traveled at least in Japan. Yeah. When we're in Japan, we're untouched. Now we just all three of us have to go and mm. we'll be unstoppable in terms of like friendship, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never seen you in America. Actually, the only time I've been in your <laughs> presence true, was in a different country. <laughs> and the first, the first day we were ever together, I betrayed you, cold-heartedly. Wait, I don't remember this. What did you at the restaurant you... we went to? Wait, was this when? Oh, yes, yes, that is true. Yeah, you threw me under the yeah. bus big time yeah. there. Um, and I'll do it again. I like to think you wouldn't do that in America. Maybe it was a Japanese thing. <laughs> Wanted to impress the locals. True. Anyways, um, <laughs> I want to leave it a mystery, whatever you guys are talking about. I have no idea what happened, but I'd like to keep it a mystery. Yeah, we've talked about it on the show before. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, today's going to be a fun episode. We're going to be talking about Resident Evil 4, our new cover story on the remake of the hit 2005 game. Uh, Marcus and I played about three hours of it. Uh, we played chapter one and chapter five uh, of RE4. And um, Marcus wrote 12 pages in the magazine on it. Uh, and we've got a bunch of video content going up this week and next and the week after. It's going to be a great time. But we're going to be kind of sharing all of our general impressions of our time with the game uh, in this episode of the show. Uh, and then later on, Blake is going to be talking about his Hi-Fi Rush review, um, which you can go and read right now at GameInformer.com slash reviews. Maybe. Soon. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm optimistic. Depends on Wesley um, LeBlanc, how fast he is uh, behind the editing station. Yeah. Though, you know, thematically appropriate, because Hi-Fi Rush, of course, 
directed by John jo- Johannes or Johansson. I'm not actually sure. Someone fact check me on that. Uh, but produced by Tango co-found that Tango founder Shinji Mikami, who directed the original Resident Evil Four and also Resident Evil One. It all comes and back. Also, Wild. And also other games, I think maybe Dino Crisis. I'm not sure. He's directed a lot. Yeah, yeah God he did. Hand, God Hand, uh, Vanquish. My God, the first Evil Within. Oh wow, yeah. A close personal friend of me. I've talked to him for 15 minutes, and he didn't seem interested yeah. in being there. Yeah, you know, of course. Well, uh, yeah, it's going to be a packed show. We've also got a bunch of listener emails um, about our cover story that we're going to be answering today. Um, so yeah, it's going to be a good show. Um, let's not waste any time. Uh, Marcus, let's dive into our Resident Evil 4 cover story. I guess summarize our, our trip in, you know, a few sentences for, for listeners. How was the trip? Did you enjoy going to Japan for a second time? This is your first time visiting Capcom, I believe, right? Yes. Yeah, first time in Osaka. Yeah, just, just kind of bring us up to speed on the RE4 cover trip. Yeah, it was a fun trip. I, I think, disclaimer, you know, Capcom flew us out there, you know, yes. shacked us up in a hotel wind and dined us all that good stuff but yeah it was a first time in osaka I was in tokyo the last time a beautiful city a lot less chaotic than tokyo which was a little you know a nice change of pace i guess um but you know we went we spent two days at the studio taking a look at those uh, two chapters that you mentioned as well as interviewing the uh directors the uh the art direct like the main directors uh compo and ampo who also directed the Resident Evil 2 remake. Uh, we spoke to the art director. We spoke to the, the sound designers. We, uh, you know, did a rapid fire, which I'm excited, you know, for you to put up and people to check out. Yeah. It, it goes some places. And uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a good trip. I One of my favorites, for sure. And uh, as far as the game itself, as I mentioned in my uh, cover story, overall... I'm even more excited than I was to play this game. I, I love Resident Evil 4. Uh, I'm a Resident Evil fan in general. Uh, you know, I replayed quite a bit of it uh, leading up to this trip, uh, you know, to refresh myself. And, you know, like to mention before, they it, it's like they're not going for the sort of complete reinvention of this game that they did with Resident Evil 2 and 3 because, you know, those were different styles that sort of necessitated a more uh dramatic remake and you know they just Mm. made it they just turned them into resident evil 4 basically (laughs) so it's so one of the interesting things like well what do you do when you have to remake the thing that you turned the other things into (laughs) and you know their answer was well let's just you know maybe we don't go too crazy because there's you know this is already this holds up so well it's one of the i'd say out of all the games of that era it's one of the few that is still pretty fun to play even now and you know, i can attest to that because i have played it <laughs> recently but seeing the way that they reworked or where would identify areas that were sort of ripe for enhancement whether it's like you know reducing the amount of qtes which i want to clarify that point because i've spent the last uh day sort of watching recaps of the cover story from like youtubers and just other people you know pulling quotes doing all that stuff as you do it seems there might be a bit of a misconception going around that the game has no QTEs, and I'm pretty sure I didn't say there were none, uh, and they didn't <laughs> either. I just said there would be less. Um, it sounds like there's going to be a lot less, like don't expect like half of it, but I don't, yeah, I didn't say there would be zero, So and I don't, I didn't yeah, see any. I, there are some pretty popular tweets going around that kind of took a lot of, uh, from your cover story and 
the misunderstanding might be coming from those people might be quoting those uh, i'm not sure but yeah yeah i mean it's just the way you know secondhand like there were some youtubers i watched that were like that would read something i wrote and go oh it's this thing and it's like oh that's not what i said <laughs> but um <laughs> well <laughs> you know let this be a lesson never watch youtubers i don't doesn't matter which ones they are just don't watch them. even this one yeah totally <laughs> yeah definitely and it, you know the ones that did yeah, and I like watching it just because I like seeing, you know, it's my own personal validation of like, okay, are people satisfied with the thing that I wrote? Is this like, is this doing it for them? Uh, everyone seems excited, which, you know, cool. You know, so far from what I played, they probably should be excited. It was very fun. I, I'm i trying to think of what to say that I haven't covered in the story already other than just like, like I said at the end of it, I, I wanted to keep playing. I think that's the the best sign of any of any demo of anything is if when it's time to get the controller back you're like no please <laughs> keep, yeah. keep going um it, it plays so much better than the original you know it's got the modernized control scheme though you can play with a setup that resembles the original scheme if you want to yeah keep it pure keep it classic um i won't be doing that <laughs> because the new scheme feels better yeah it feels it feels awesome i think as somebody who had very little familiarity. I said on the stream, uh, on our reveal stream, that I'd kind of played through the first couple chapters of the 2005 game uh, before our cover story because my entry into Resident Evil, besides the movies as a kid, was Resident Evil 5. <laughs> like I got on the train one one game too late. Yeah, that's an interesting entry to <laughs> to get on the train. And for too. what it's worth, I liked it as a teenager. I played the hell out of Mercenaries mode. I think yeah. that game's a great co-op game. Emphasis on yeah, co-op. It, it Do it not was. play that game alone. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. What'd you what you think about the movies? Oh, I loved them when I was a teen. That's right. Yeah. Those like movies, that's why I think bang. that might be why I played the games was I watched the movies first. That's right. Uh, my best friend in middle school was a big Resident Evil guy, and we would stay up late. And uh, watch the movies. That's right. Paul W.S. Anderson, the king. And Mila Jovovich, yeah. the queen. Yeah. Um, so coming in as somebody that isn't as familiar with RE4 specifically, it was cool to see, like, I was familiar enough with, like, the first chapter that, like, the shotgun is where it was in the original, you know, like, uh, you, you can use the same route and stuff, but there's a lot of cool twists, like, uh, the chainsaw, chainsaw guy, chainsaw villager can you know, destroy paths, uh, destroy your route in that opening area. And I asked during one of our interviews if that will, if that is persistent, you know, whatever, whatever damage or path he blocks in the opening section. My understanding based on uh, our interviews is that it will stay blocked for the rest of the game. So when you go and revisit that area of the village, if the chainsaw guy knocked down, you know, part of the, the right path, then it'll be blocked when you go back. Yeah, during later parts of the game, which is really cool, I thought. Yeah, it sort of highlights the uh, the other thing with this game of them adding sort of like new routes to take. Um, so like even if those are maybe blocked off, there's some there's a few new paths that they are hidden, and, and which is cool because the original game, you know, those areas were already pretty open. Like you already had options of like I'm gonna go this way, maybe bypass this group of enemies. It's uh, they've added some more of that and sort of like reworked certain like the layout a bit there was that moment alex you remember when we we revisited the village and i kept taking what i thought was the only path forward and it was like there's it was pretty heavy in terms of resistance and then uh the producer is like hey did you know that 
if you turn to the right and there's like a whole other like little underground path here and it's like off camera so I, and i just didn't think it would be there just because of my memory of the original yeah. I was like i think this is the only way to go and he's like let me show you something and then he went underground less resistance i was just like oh man this is <laughs> this is a way better way to take oh i'm gonna do that yeah so like little things like that i just think it, it seems like they're again it's largely the same but those flourishes of like adding new paths and doing the thing with the chainsaw man of like okay whatever path he cuts down it's gonna stay there for the rest of the game so when you revisit the village however many times you know that's just locked off which you know it's a nice touch of like continuity i think it's pretty cool to see yeah i think some of the some of the visual effects i mean number it's it's very scary looking i think sometimes it can get in the way of like navigation a little bit like sometimes it's a little too dark and i thought it was maybe like the screens we were playing on when we were there uh maybe even like looking at the footage afterwards on like other screens it is just like a very dark game you're talking about chapter five specifically by the way because that whole segment's at night with like the rain and stuff yeah yeah and with the rain that comes down it is like i'm I'm sure if it's it's probably part of it is intentional is like it is hard to see and you've got these ganados coming at you and it's you know it's scary it's tense um some i think some of that can discourse. be dialed down a little yeah there is seen... some rain rain gate <laughs> as i'm calling it or or uh milk milk rain milk, some yes. people are calling it i've seen people giving it the gta definitive edition comparisons like the rain in that game which i i i could see that like i think we both like i i'm with you where that section was a little hard to see at times especially when it got just like really chaotic with enemies because of the rain and yeah but, yeah i think at the time we just i, I think like, it's a little worse looking on youtube because of compression it's right. um i think when you're playing the game it's it's not as uh prominent but it is it is a little uh, i think they could kind of uh, maybe tweak that a little bit if they have time yeah it's not like horrible no 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 uh hero for me nakaoka is the uh art director on the game and i'm looking at a, a quote um from our translations uh sheet i'm going to read off a couple i don't know if we used this in the cover story or not you might have i haven't used it yet in videos but i figured hey we got a direct quote here we can use talking about lighting and, and their approach and he says quote on a base level for horror games if it's not dark it's not scary but if everything is dark it's not going to be playable and that's kind of the dilemma that's true for this game as well. There were a lot of points where things were too dark or there was too much light to be scary. So the, meth- the method we settled on, if I'm talking about the unique ways we handled things, you could sum it up as separation and silhouette. That was a major way we use light and dark. And what I mean by separation is it's an adventure game. There are areas you can go to and areas you can't. So the places you don't need to go, we made those dark. Uh, as the most extreme, it's okay if you can't see anything in those cases. Um, and from the darkness, we create a horror atmosphere. But the places you need to go or check, those we made lit up so that the player naturally progresses. Maybe this is a basic method used in making horror games in general, but by thoroughly employing this approach, the game has a dark horror aesthetic. But when you pick up the controller, it's very playable. Continues, also, we use silhouettes to great effect. Rather than have light hitting the front of the character, making it clearly visible, um, we have the light coming from behind the character. Like in the forest opening sequence or the first big fight in the village, when the player goes towards those areas, the light is shining toward you. So enemies and environmental elements, silhouettes. You can maybe see what kind of enemy is there and how far away they are, but you can't exactly see what it is until you get closer, which in itself 
is scary. So there's light and it's easy to see, but you can't see everything. So it's scary. Uh, striking that balance was a method we used throughout the entire game. So pretty standard for horror games, but you know, they're aware that there are certain areas that are obviously very, very dark. And, you know, for me, it worked, I would say 95% of the time, there was just an atmosphere of, of tenseness and yeah, it, it was, it was effective. And overall, I'm, I'm very excited to play more. I think, um, the combat was, it's funny on the way over there, I was playing the original on the plane on my steam deck and it was just, you know, clunky. Uh, because of the controls, it was very hard to get used to. And then finally sitting down in front of the, the TV on our first studio day, thinking to myself, I just want to play the rest of the game like this. And so I decided instead of playing through it on my Steam Deck, I'm just going to wait for RE4 Remake to drop because it is, you know, night and day. It's really nice. So Yeah, it was interesting uh, listening to, uh, I think it was Oppo that said that, you know, one of the big changes in a remake is the knife combat and that, you know, you can parry with the knife, uh, you know, if melee attack is coming at you, you can whip the knife out and time it to where you'll deflect them. And he was saying that um, that mechanic was sort of one of the big epiphanies they had with this game were, because initially they didn't want to work in this game. And I'm going to have a an article on the site for a part of our coverage kind of detailing why they were initially hesitant to tackle this game. But they did mention that like devising the parry system, the knife combat was one of the things that kind of convinced them that they could do it because of how much fun it was. And they're like, oh, maybe we can make this classic better <clears throat> with this mechanic. And he was saying that it got to the point where he revisited the old game and he missed the parry mechanic. He's like, oh man, I, <laughs> this is actually, I, I wish we could put this in the old game. I actually think this is really great. And I, I enjoyed it too. I was bad at it. <laughs> and yeah, but, you know, and in the beginning, I didn't even know it was available to me until uh, someone on the team pointed it out. But it feels good when you land it and it looks cool. And I like the, um, you know, that not, now that knives can degrade and you can carry multiple knives, it makes knife only runs, uh, I think, a lot more interesting, which Capcom did confirm that you can totally beat this game with just the knife if you are one of the cool people that like to do that. But yeah, between that, between the improved gunplay, you know, being able to select weapons on the fly, which is also a huge game changer because I had forgotten when I revisited the original having to constantly pause the menu to pull out a weapon then go back in and just doing that you know just sort of like killing the flow of combat you have to do that fairly often sometimes you know that's been removed and um even ashley you know chapter five we got to play with ashley and and get a sense of her new mechanics and how now she you know she can't stay still anymore she can only follow closely or follow at a distance but she's gonna always move with you no matter what so it negates that you know, the cheese tactic of, oh, there's a big room of enemies ahead. I'm going to dump you in this corner out of harm's way and just go take care of business and I'll pick you up when I'm done. <laughs> yeah, sit in this trash can. Yeah, which uh, I don't know if the trash cans are gone. I also saw that going around in some coverage that some people sort of postulated that there's no trash cans because I mentioned that they that Ashley could only follow. I cannot confirm that. I didn't see any. But also if it's, you know... At that point in the original game, the trash cans aren't even there. So, and I never got to like when you, the section where you first start, you know, dumping her in there. So I actually really don't know. I, it seems like I, they wouldn't. I believe you asked. I did. Yeah, I, I, I remember you asking and it was inconclusive, the answer. I don't think they yeah. were commenting on it. Okay. That's probably why I didn't mention the cover story again. This were this was weeks yeah. ago. So there's stuff I'm forgetting, but yeah, if it's not in the cover story, it's probably because they were like, 
<laughs> we can't say, you know, or we don't yeah. want to talk about it. But yeah, just for people wondering, I, I don't know for sure if they're if you can dump her in a trash can yet. But I like this. I like that they took away that cheese element of because they they themselves said that you know it defeats the purpose of having her with you if you can just ditch her basically <laughs> you know like it sort of takes away the challenge of like you are her protector and also it makes it more realistic in that in that situation she would never want to be left alone because you know everything sucks <laughs> everything's scary so even if you tell her to hang back she's gonna want to like at least keep you in her you know in her field of view to be like hey you're still there right are we are we good uh i think ashley overall in terms of like her new voice actress and some of the lines that we saw she seems better just as a she seems like a more believable character like just as a person uh especially in how like she seems more genuinely terrified of the situation in a way that you know i kind of felt bad for her as opposed to the original which i never was like an ashley hater in the original like i know she was controversial at the time but like she has her something about her performance in the original she came off as maybe a little overly bratty at times where you're just like okay you need to maybe chill out (laughs) um here she again from based on what i saw you know there was less of that in a way that felt welcomed but uh blake i'm curious to see because you've also watched the 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 two clips that we've been uh treated to what did you know what was going through your mind as the biggest resident evil 4 fan uh in this podcast right now well, might not be what everyone wants to hear, but what was going through my mind was, where's the music? There's no music in these clips. Oh, <laughs> I specifically un- asked for no music. <laughs> That's what was going no through my mind. For, for video editing. It looks great. You know. Um, I can send you the music tracks if you want, Blake. No, it's fine. Um, I'll <laughs> uh, it, it, looks, it looks cool. I'm stoked. I think the Resident Evil 2 remake is... Uh, two-thirds of fantastic game one-third a bad game i think the resident evil 3 remake is three-thirds a bad game so you know <laughs> the the numbers are looking potentially good for resident evil 4 if they just don't do all the resident evil 3 stuff but i'm what i'm interested in the goofs and gaffs aside is i i really hope it's not a faithful remake i i think like i'm not really interested and it being like hyper faithful to a T because I can just play the original and it's fine. I play it multiple times a year. Like I want to see them do new and different stuff. So new mechanics, new ways to traverse the world, new takes on levels, like all of that's going to be the most interesting stuff to me. And I saw that definitely in the footage I watched that you all brought home. There were definitely some things. I was like, okay, that's a little different. I'm curious to see how the castle changes up. I think the more yeah. new stuff they do, the more excited I'm going to be about like devoting however many hours to a new Resident Evil 4 as I need to. That said, I hope one thing is left untouched, and it's that giant statue that chases you. I hope that is. I hope it just goes back to the original 2005 graphics just for that like <laughs> 15 second passage of game like if they take that out i'm revolting i will blacklist capcom from game informer will no longer cover their oh, wow. games and <laughs> it will be the hill i die on here's the thing an ant an ant hill is still a hill to die on so other than that i hope they do all kinds of wacky with it i can't wait sorry about that you're gonna have to edit that word out i'm looking for the direct quote in front of me uh but i remember them saying they are like upping the horror 
in the castle part, I believe. Yeah. And in terms of the boss battles, like they, you know, unsurprisingly wouldn't get into specifics. But when I asked about like, you know, are you keeping any of the boss fights like one to one more or less? Or are you completely overhauling them? Or just like, what's the degree of change to expect? And all they would say was that like they were retaining the essence of the fights and that some of them would be overhauled more than others. Um, I think I, I feel like I asked about the robot thing. It might've been in the rapid fire as a joke, but I know I brought it up. Uh, I know they were very like, kind of like a wait and see, you know, sort of answer with that. It sounds like if I had to guess, it sounds like it's still in the game. Whether or not it's the exact same fight seems unlikely, but it's. I would have to guess that it's still there. It better be if they... That Metacritic score is going <laughs> to... If it's, it's not gonna, in the game. It's going to look so nice now, Blake. It's going to look like a... No, I just want the original. It's going to be like a Michael Bay Transformers, just like... <laughs> shined <laughs> no. up to the highest degree, just metal, I just, just nonstop I just want, reflections. I just want, I want the original. Ray traced. It's going to nope. be great. Probably. I we'll see. But, um, I got the impression like really no turn, no stone was left unturned. Like they were even talking about the chainsaw guy, who, how they were like at one point in time giving, making him like really tall and like really muscular and like giving him this like long trench coat. And then they scrapped it because it just didn't feel right. So they went back uh, to more of the original design. Like, I feel like they weren't afraid to, um, you know, really change things up but also it seems like the overall is like being faithful or more faithful than maybe those re2 and 3 remakes were you know re3 remake got a lot of flack for cutting stuff from the original game it seems like they're going the hard opposite we're like they're like oh everything's still here like the castle the island the krauser fight like all that stuff is still in there it, it you know all the puzzles are there though none of those have been replicated they're just sort of like sort of in the way the boss fights were like yeah the puzzles are there in spirit but maybe they're remixed or changed a little bit like i saw and, and you probably you saw the soup like like in the the chapter five you saw the stained glass puzzle there but when i played it it had already been solved so i don't know if you engage with it in the same way to solve it um but you know the cemetery twins was the one i called out of like okay that's the side quest now and originally it was that weird sort of like lock thing they had to, behind the church to get the cat's eye jewel and now they just sort of took the idea of that for the remake and made it a side quest where you have to shoot like headstones in a grave and i solved that just because it were i was able to tap in my existing knowledge of how the original puzzle worked of like oh i know what to look for here and i thought that was kind of cool of like okay if you're a fan of this game the puzzles are reworked but it's still you can still use your existing knowledge to sort of have like a head start of like okay i I kind of know the elements already. I just have to apply that knowledge in a new way. You know, I, I think personally, that's a, that's pretty cool. Cause again, if for things that could be replicated one-to-one, I don't need puzzles to be replicated one-to-one. I think that's probably the worst thing to just bring over. Cause you're like, well, I already know how to do this. So, <laughs> you know, it, it's not, you're just sort of like going through the same motions. So, but I, it, it makes me excited to see all the other puzzles. I'm like, okay, what have you done with this? Have you made this better? Have you removed it or. Or what are we gonna do here? So one important note: I did I did sell all of my weapons in one of my playthroughs, and I bought the rocket launcher. Oh, okay. And I <laughs> and it felt good. I got one missile, but <laughs> you made a count. It was good. Yeah. 
what did you, do you remember what you used it on was it the bold man uh we were like about to it was like our last five minutes of the demo so i didn't have time to like save it for anything so i just oh i thought it. you meant in the original game i was like that's such a bad strategy <laughs> no 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 in the remake we had we, we had enough time where we got to play through each section multiple times and our last time through i was like um i'll buy the rocket let me let me just see how it is and it's a it's a rocket um definitely not worth it but alex going for a rocket flashy. only run you know you think knife only yeah. runs are cool imagine trying yeah. that's actually that's actually how i play resident evil 4 now because like i've just beat it so many times that i have the infinite rocket launcher open or unlocked so like when i play it i just run through it in like a couple hours with the launcher i just one shot every single boss and just speed through it it's fun recommend it. best <laughs> game ever made. i guess we'll, i wonder if that'll still be viable in this remake i assume so Otherwise, that Metacritic score. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, anything else, Marcus, before we uh, wrap up on RE4? We've got a month of coverage coming up. Keep an eye on GameInformer.com as well as our YouTube channel for all the you know new gameplay videos and, and commentary that we'll be doing. Uh, I've got some yeah. fun feature articles and, and interviews that'll be going up on the site to keep an eye on. Like the, I mentioned the Rapid Fire as well before. And yeah, I'm... Like I said, overall, I'm even more excited to play the final game based on what I played so far. Somebody somebody online said you were, quote, hella impressed. And then that quote was going around. Was Did they funny, quote me as like, saying? I thought, because no, that was clearly uh, the person saying it. But yeah, I know. That they spin it like, yeah, that's what I wrote. It was just really funny because <laughs> I said the informer was, quote, hella impressed. And I was like, Marcus will never use that one. <laughs> I, I can definitely say i've never said hella like or at least not unironically before in my life but you know if that's what i'm known for now then i i can lean into it and be the hella guy please don't <laughs> <laughs> all right so uh oh one note uh if you're listening to this on thursday the second uh we should have a an interview going up um about uh redesigning enemies in resident evil and we're showing off one of the new one of the new enemies. The the brute, I believe, is his name. Uh, is that the bull AKA guy? Cowhead. Yeah, Cowhead. So um, go check out the YouTube channel, YouTube.com/slash/GameInformer, uh, and we'll have some more gameplay probably rolling out on Friday as well. So stay tuned there. Uh, let's move on to the playlist. Blake, you've been playing Hi-Fi Rush. You reviewed it for Game Informer. Uh, tell us about it. What do you want to know? Is it good? Is it is it as good as everybody is saying it is online? Because it's all I'm reading about. Well, I don't think it's the transcendent game Twitter's making it out to be, but most games aren't. And most TV shows based on popular video games aren't. Uh, no, it's great. It's really cool. I think Hi-Fi Rush is uh, really fun. It's from Tango Gameworks, a, uh, a studio I'm quite fond of. If not their games, I've just written about them a lot especially in the uh, recent past. Um, they made the Evil Within series and Ghostwire Tokyo. Uh, those are... Evil Within series is like a very, very strictly a survival horror series, very gory, violent, etc. Uh, Ghostwire Tokyo isn't quite to that degree, but it's like very creepy and spooky. Um, but Hi-Fi Rush is very bright and colorful. It's got like a uh, Saturday morning cartoon aesthetic. It's kind of like I've seen people compare it to like sunset overdrive and jet set radio kind of combined and it's a uh, it's a rhythm stylish action game 
you play as a wannabe rock star who, through various reasons, must fight back against the corporate overlords of the city they live (laughs) in. And you do that. You know, you hack, you slash like you would any other stylish action game. The uh, the original God of Wars or the Devil May Cries, the Bayonettas. But you have to do it on beat with the song. So everything in the game is kind of to this internal metronome. Like everything in the world even moves on the beat. And like for better That's scores, cool. you need to attack on the beat and move on the beat. Similar to Metal Hellsinger, but uh, better than that game. I didn't I didn't care much for that one. Uh, it's cool. It's really fun. It's like just a breath of fresh air, I guess. Compared, I was playing like um, Dead Space, the Dead Space remake right before this, which is mm. just like an oppressive, obnoxious, loud in your face game. And this game's like, let's have some freaking fun. And I'm like, you know what? Buckle, <laughs> buckle up, brother. I'm ready to have some damn fun with Hi-Fi Rush. Did you not find the Necromorph in it? The the guitar. It's like doing some like Bo Diddley stuff. Cause I, you know, Dead Space can be fun. I mean, Dead Space is a fun game. It's, it's just, a barrel of laughs. It's just kind of obnoxious. <laughs> we can talk about Dead Space. I have some thoughts on I'm that remake. Yeah. Um, I'm happy to talk about that. Uh, but High Fire Rush, yeah, I enjoyed the hell out of it. Um, anything you want to know specifically other than a stylish action game you play on beat? I gave it an 8.75. It's got a Fiona Apple song in it. It's gamers. Wow. You're not listening to Fiona Apple, which you're probably not, because the cross-section of gamers and Fiona Apple fans seems incredibly small. Do yourself a favor. Go listen to Fiona Apple. She's amazing. Well, my biggest question, I have yet to fire up this game. I haven't downloaded it. I just haven't had time to to get into it, but I'm excited. But my only hesitation is that even though I enjoy traditional rhythm music games like Guitar Hero, Rock Band, Beat Saber, whatever... For whatever reason, or not even, I know why, I've never really gotten into the sort of like action blend of those, like Crypt of the Necrodancer or Metal Hell Singer, because I've learned that I don't have the patience to play to the beat when it's applied to a different genre. Like, I love Cadence of Hyrule, which is the, the, the Zelda Crypt of the Necrodancer, yeah. but only after I turned off the, the music, they had the fixed beat mode where you didn't have to play to the beat and the characters just moved when you moved, but you could play it like almost like a fun puzzle action game instead. Cause I feel like the music never matches my actual tempo. It's usually slower of like playing metal hill singers. Like I could have killed these guys faster if I didn't try to play to the music. Cause I, you know what I mean? So like, can you get away with just going in there and whacking things with your guitar? And what's the timing window generally for, like, is it pretty forgiving to play to the beat or is it pretty strict? Of Like, you need to be on point to get that, you know, that extra bonus. It's extremely forgiving. In fact, you don't have to play on the beat. Like, it, the game recognizes that unrhythmic people are going to play it. And it's a game that's free on Game Pass. So they want a lot of people to play it. Um, so it's very inviting and very approachable in that way. And even if you're not playing on the beat, the animations will still play to the beat. Like, your strikes will still hit on beat. Of course, you will get better scores and little, like, I believe, attack bonuses if you are perfectly in time. But it's super not required to play through the game to enjoy the combat system, which, like, by the back half is fairly deep and pretty cool to explore. But, like, especially compared to, like, Metal Hellsinger, like, you are not going to be penalized at all by like if you just kind of start playing it on your own and if anything you'll still you'll still like 
be able to appreciate the visual feedback of your character like attacking on beat because that's like a very impactful like style to see like you have this like song kind of blaring in your headphones and your main character is hitting enemies in perfect time with whatever the bpm is uh, but man, you could just be button mashing like 300 BPM if you really want to, Marcus. It doesn't matter. That's good because, like, I as much as I don't like playing by their rules, I also feel guilty because you, you know you get that feeling of like I'm not playing it right. You know what I mean? Mm, like, can't I'm not relate. playing it the way it's meant to be played. Like, I sh- should be playing to the beat, but then you do, and you're like, I don't want to. <laughs> can't I, I relate think I to that. Yeah. I play games only how I want to play them. I don't care what the developer wants or intended. I play yeah, I think, Blake way. I think Metal Hellsinger pushed that a little harder, but I think it clashed with it being a doom light and like with my doom instincts kicking up, like I need to kill everything as fast as possible, but then having to s- intentionally slow down to play to the tempo of whatever song's playing. And it's like, that just felt like I was being handcuffed, uh, which is why I didn't really stick with it. You know, what's surprising about this game. What? Got, got, got a good story. <laughs> Surprisingly good yeah. writing in this thing. It's really funny. It's very well written. I don't mean surprising in the sense that like I expected it to be bad. I just didn't expect my favorite part of the game to be the story. And it, it's not doing a ton. It's just like a fun, goofy little romp. But the characters are like very well written. It seems like a lot of thought has gone into um, the relationships and banter between different characters. They all feel very natural and very charming. This game doesn't have anything all that uh profound to say about like hey big companies are actually evil and bad but like it is hitting those notes and it's uh through the lens of game development which is kind of funny when you consider tango as a company owned by a billion dollar tech global tech corporation i don't know if it's a necessarily a a work of corporate protest from inside but there's some fun stuff going on in the story. If it's not the deepest thing in the world, it also shouldn't be. You wouldn't expect that, but it's like much better than you're probably thinking at first blush. And it goes to some interesting places in terms of its meta narrative, if you will. Nice. I, uh, I'm excited to fire it up. I, I downloaded it at the time, but I'm looking forward to it. I hear like some of the, the, the levels kind of all follow like a certain theme, right? Like, like a platformer would is that true like there's the fire level there's the kind of yeah yeah or, yeah yeah uh you know i i am wondering a lot of this game has gotten a lot of sunset overdrive comparisons just uh i think some of those trailers kind of gave players the impression that there's like a lot of platforming and like rail grinding and all the sunset overdrive stuff is that the case because it seems a lot more of just like a it's true linear action game or is That's there the case there's some like a fair amount of platforming yeah, I think it's one of the actually low points of the game is the first half has this tendency to focus a little too much on the platforming, which is, like, not its strong suit. Like, it's not bad, but it's not that interesting. And, like, I found, like, for the first few hours, I was like, please just get me to the next combat section. That's the interesting stuff. Uh, by the back half, the game is firing on all cylinders. You are fighting what feels like entire nations of robots. But, like, there's there's a lot of damn platforming in this game. Um, all the grinding sections, they're not, like, as... You can't kind of grind at will how you would in Sunset Overdrive, but there are a lot of, like, scripted grinding sections. Um, kind of like the, the Ratchet & Clank, the most recent Ratchet & Clank, okay. where there'd be, like, big set pieces 
tied to grinding, those sections are all really, really good. Um, highly recommend. Well, I highly recommend, but if you play Hi-Fi Rush, you'll just have to play them. They're required, so doesn't matter if I recommend them or not. Yeah, it makes sense because this isn't an open world game either, so. It's yeah. not. Believe it or not. Believe it or not. You, you know the game has really home? good grinding? Like, Sonic, these grinding moments? Sonic Adventure uh, it 2. It takes two. It takes two. Oh, Game Informer's oh, yeah, 2021 they, Game of the Year, right? They, they were pretty no. good uh, as long as you had... Uh, those were great as long as your partner could hold up their end of the bargain. Otherwise, it could be pretty frustrating if you were yeah, like, true. I'm really good at platforming my partner, maybe not so much. <laughs> yeah. Did they get Game of the Year at the Game Awards? It did. Yes. That's, that's what that's a, that's a joke. It wasn't our top 10. Have you played it? When... No. Come on. I have. really good. Like, I, I, I disagree. Uh, I mean, that game's, that game's great. Uh, as long as you're, I mean, you can only play with another person, but uh, I think it's one of the best co-op games ever made. It's real good. <laughs> um, anyway, that's Hi-Fi Rush. I played other games. What, what have you been playing? What else? Would you say that before, wait, wait, Alex, I have a bad joke. I, I have to get this out. Oh, here we, let's go. Alex, or Alex, Blake, would you say that this game gets a high five from you? Uh, no, a five on our scale would be pretty bad. I gave it a 8.7. <laughs> high five, Rush. High five, high seven five. <laughs> yeah, uh, okay, so I played some other games. Like what? Well, I played Manhunt 1 and 2. Well, that's a different podcast. Manhunt 1? <laughs> awesome. Recommend this is where it. you just uh, edit in the other podcasts. And Manhunt. Yeah, something rotten. Manhunt 1, awesome. Manhunt 2, dog water. Not worth the controversy. That game sucks. Uh, I've also been playing that Dead Space remake. What are your thoughts? Because I know you're a pretty big Dead Space fan. 1 and 2. Are you no. a Dead Space fan? I, like I don't think you've ever... I've, are you I've a survival totally horror heard fan? You, no. no, I've totally heard you talk about like the Ishimura as like, one of the best horror levels in Dead Space 2. Yeah, but that's like a that's in a piece about how Dead Space 2 is annoying and obnoxious. Oh. <laughs> well, I only remembered that part of your piece. I'm going to probably catch flack for this from the idiots in the comments. I think Dead Space 1 is really fun. I think those games are so obnoxious. Like the thing about Dead Space is like they start so cool. They come out with a freaking bang. And you're like, you are just pissing your little pants. You're like, everything is screaming at you and busting out of walls and gore is going everywhere. And you're like, ah! And you're like, that's great. And then the game never really knows how to effectively deliver on dread intention. It seems to just think, like, the only way to scare the player is to have things jump out at them. Ooga booga booga. You know, like, so it's, and it, it, these games have like this short window of actual actually being scary for me. And then immediately after, like they lose, they deflate all their sense of like fear and dread that they build up so wonderfully in the first part because they never back off from that level. You know, like they have the moments where you'll walk through kind of a dark section. It's like, now I'm remembering is... your piece, Blake. I'm mean, yeah. back to me. Well, in Dead Space, the Dead Space remake, you walk through plenty of, like, dark corridors and dark hallways, and you're like, oh, this is kind of scary. And the trade-off is just a jump scare, which, after enough time of that happening, you just know it's going to happen, so you're no longer scared of the dark corridor. You're like, all right, about around this corner, probably, is where the jump scare is going to be. And so that has always really bothered me about the Dead Space games, is they've never delivered on how scared I feel in the beginning, because... You can't use what works in the beginning, which is that loud, bombastic fear. 
you can't do that for extended periods. It's just exhausting. And so, like, that's my main issue with Dead Space 1 is, like, they have very fun loops. I think the games are very fun to play. But, like, I always, and maybe this is just operator error and I should just stop assuming Dead Space games are going to be scary because they're not. Like, they're never, they never are scary enough for me. And I'm running into that here where at this point, like, I think I'm done playing it. I don't think I'm going to finish it because, like, it's I'm getting to diminishing returns on it where it's like, I'm having fun, sure, but, like, I want something else. I just want the game to, like, build effective tension, build effective dread, bi- like, deliver on a really fantastic setting and not just have this kind of, like, immature sense of horror that's like, what if we just throw things at your face and they're screaming really loud? And it's like, okay. So, well, I'm a little let down by it. I'll be honest. Marcus, what about you? I mean, I, I'm I'm sort of with Blake in the sense that, like, or at least now, like, playing this remake, I definitely think it's, I mean, it, I think it's better top to bottom than the original. Um, not even just because, you know, they tightened things up, but the things that they added, I think, were smart additions, like the uh, the reworked level layout, making it easier to get around and not have to rely on the tram. And, uh, you know, it just plays better. It obviously looks great. Um, I think that the... Um, the game didn't scare me quite as much, but I don't really chalk it up to that. I just, I chalk it up more to like, it's been 14 years since the original and I've just been exposed to so much more horror since then that it's, you know, just made me a harder to scare person. And in general, scary monster stuff doesn't scare me as much. Like my go-to for like, if you want to freak me out, is usually more like psychological, spiritual ghosty stuff. You know, that that's just what gets me the most. But I do think the game, like the intensity director and stuff about like, you know, remixing the scare so that, you know, especially if you have an intimate familiarity with the original, like, hey, that jump scare that was there in that one hallway isn't there anymore now. Or like Resident Evil remake did a little bit of this too, you know, like tricking you to think the dogs are going to come, but then they, they don't. And you're always wondering, like, is it now? Is it now? Is it now? I think the Dead Space remake does a good job of that. And I think it shines most when you backtrack. You know, because they do the thing like, you know, when you backtrack, you think like, oh, I'm good because I cleared this room of enemies. But it's a lot more unpredictable. We're like, no, they can actually show up there and not like repopulate. Like it doesn't just simulate the fight again. It's like, no, they show up in new ways when you go back, but not all the time. So like times you're like, I'm going to go get the side quests. And you're like, everything's fine. Like nothing happened at all here. You hear things, but nothing happens and then maybe you go back again later and then like everything happens we're like oh this enemy type that was not here the first time some of those scares feel pretty thoughtfully constructed of like oh crap like this area that was or maybe this area that where nothing ever happened the first time now there's something here and so you you know it catches you off guard because you i was conditioned to think this space was safe because you know i came through totally fine the first time and now it's not so much I think that stuff got me more. And I, I, you know, Jet Space, and I think a lot of those games like that, that I still think it does jump scares better than games similar to it. But I also see what Blake's coming from about like if it's too much or, you know, if it just sort of wears on you after a while. I don't think it did for me as much, even though some of them do get predictable, but I think I still enjoyed them or like respected of like, oh, that was a, a cool way to do that. Or like, I could see that scaring other people, but maybe I'm too like hardened <laughs> from just everything that's come since that it like, oh, it didn't get me as much, but I like 
that it happened is if, if that's weird right of like looking at it almost objective like that was pretty cool it didn't like freak me out but i thought it was cool you know <laughs> you know um, what i do like in the dead space remake a lot mm-hmm. that she gushy gore baby oh it's very <laughs> i walk very around bloody. i walk around whatever body even if it's just some poor soul who you know, innocent as the day is long, passed away. I'm stomping them, just destroying <laughs> their body. Listening to that, oh God, the sickos Gushing. over there at uh, wherever they made this thing, EA Motive, out of control. It's like we what what does stomping a corpse sound like? You know what game <laughs> is scary? <laughs> We're just getting into a broader discussion about what game. Manhunt one. Oh my God. That's a scary game. I'm not going to lie to you. That's a freaky one. There's some really good mo- scares in that game. Oh, my Lord. Blake, did you, uh, I don't know if you thought, did you play the Callisto Protocol? I played 45 minutes of that game. and I, I was going to say, like, what were your thoughts on that? Because that was, uh, I don't know if you uh, ever I thought that game was it. bad. Yeah, I've played more than that. And I think I'm going to finish it because I'm like, I'm far enough to where you're almost like, I just, just finished this. But like. Sunken cost yeah. fallacy. Yeah, I think that game. I didn't even pay for it. I got a code for it. But it's (laughs) like, it's one of those games where it's like, it's fun enough to be fun in like a pure junk food sense. Like I beat Crackdown 3 for that reason of like, this is actively bad, but it's just fun enough for it's kind of mindless fun, you know? I'm just going to finish it. That's kind of where I'm at with Kalisto. But then the whole time I'm like, and uh, especially it's going to be rough going back now playing Dead Space of like, man, this, how, how is this the like, the new ver- version of this but it's so much worse than the original yeah it's that really now bad. has a yeah that also now has a better remake uh, it's a it's a weird thing i don't know how we, i'm sorry for turning this into a Callisto protocol like lament ceremony but you're fine you're fine i i haven't heard you talk about it blake so i was just curious. Uh, i played 45 minutes i thought it was bad and i never played it again i think i deleted it the same day i installed it <laughs> uh i played one more thing alex be quick be quick no, I, I, this is my show now. I, I've taken the reins. I'm the captain. Okay, what do you want to talk about? I play Forspoken. Oh, yeah. Let's say that because I would like to have you back on next week because I'm about to start that game. No, I, no I'm going to tell you why you shouldn't do that. <laughs> I played about an hour and I said I'll never play this game again. I thought it was terrible. And I, Did uh, you get I out of New York? It. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I got to Athia and I was like, this game sucks. So I got nothing more to say. Those are the games I played. Thank you. I'll mm. be back in probably four months when y'all have me on again. It'll be sooner than that. No, pretty busy the next few months. Let's get into housekeeping and then we'll get out of here after some listener emails. Of course, go and subscribe to us on the YouTube channel. Don't forget, we got a lot of Resident Evil 4 videos going up. YouTube.com slash Game Informer. Uh, you can watch our live streams. We actually uh, revealed the cover uh, live on Twitch the other day. And we might do that again. We might do that again. Um, so go and follow us, twitch.tv slash Game Informer. Of course, we have the weekly replay series that Marcus and Kyle are doing right now. They're replaying uh, Dino Crisis. So go and check that out. Uh, follow these Directed guys. by Shinji Mikami, who directed Resident Evil 4. Exactly, yeah. It all comes together. Uh, follow these guys on social media. You can follow Blake at Metallica is rad. You can follow Marcus at Marcus Stewart 7 and you can follow me at It's Van Aiken. Uh, go and listen to our other podcast, All Things Nintendo. It's our weekly Nintendo podcast hosted by Brian Shea. 
Uh, also, go listen to Something Rotten. Not our podcast, but Blake is on it, as is Jacob Geller. Uh, so go listen to that. Um, wherever you get podcasts, that's where it's at. Uh, Kyle asked me to plug our, our TikTok. He still hasn't danced yet on the TikTok, but you know, maybe he'll crack one of these days. But if you want, uh, you know, one to two minute summations of our reviews and and that kind of stuff, uh, go and uh, follow us on TikTok. Um, lastly, shout out to Matt Storm, aka DJ Stormageddon, who is our podcast editor. They host two gaming shows called Fun and Games and Reignite, which is a Bioware podcast. Uh, so if you're interested in that, go check those out. Uh, let's get into our listener questions. Uh, we've got a couple. Uh, we've got more than a couple. We've got a handful. Uh, some are from our Discord. Uh, if you subscribe to us one time on Twitch, uh, you get access to the Discord. And there is a channel in there called The Game Informer Show. And that's where you can drop your questions every week. Uh, and then also, if you don't want to do that, you can email us podcast at gameinformer.com uh, like Rob did it was question a little later on uh, but first let's go to Green Captain who asked I am very excited for PSVR 2 coming in three weeks but I was disappointed to not hear any mention of it in the Resident Evil 4 cover story in the initial reveal trailer they mentioned that there would be PSVR 2 content was this ever brought up or mentioned while researching the cover story no uh, we didn't talk about it. They didn't bring it up at all, uh, which I think it's just, if I had to assume, it's they're probably not at a point where they're ready to talk about it. There were a few things that fans had questions about that are not in the cover story, and I can tell you that most of them were things that were brought up, but were they were not at liberty to talk about. Hey, hey yo, but... You can play Resident Evil 4 VR on the Facebook quest thing. The meta quest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was one of the best video games released last year. My God. That game rules. It was, uh, it was made by... It was, it, was, it was technically a remake of Resident Evil 4. Before the Resident Evil 4 remake. It was not a port. It was remade from the ground up uh, by... Um, what's that studio? Armature. Armature did it. Oh, cool. It's fantastic. So good. Right. Logan asks, what was your first Resident Evil game? Mine was Resident Evil 5 playing co-op with my brother. Uh, I already talked about mine on the show. Mine was also RE5. Um, Marcus, what was yours? Uh, the original RE1. I was there from the start. I'll never forget. I uh, went to a friend's house uh, one night. Like It was like a, a friend of my mom's or whatever. We were there for like, not dinner, but just hanging out. And he, I was in his room and he just says, hey, have you ever heard of Resident Evil? And I was like, no, what is it? And he's like, oh, it's this new game. And then he like fired it up and had me play like the first like hour or so. And I remember being just terrified. I didn't, as far as I can remember, that was the first like legitimate horror game I'd ever played. Cause there weren't really a ton, like horror really wasn't a, a big thing until like in like the eight bit, 16 bit era. Like there were games that were like spooky themed like Castlevania or even like, adaptations like friday the 13th that were kind of going for that but i feel like it never really took off as a true genre until like the ps1 n64 generation uh so that was the first well, on on pc there were plenty or pc yeah but i wasn't a pc gamer right, either yeah, yeah. so so resident evil at least for me was the first time i'd ever felt like genuinely terrified 
playing a video game with the entire time I was playing it, you know? And I remember just like wanting to play more of it, but also being like, oh my God, I'm going to get nightmares. And I, I borrowed it from him and then wound up playing it. And then, you know, went on to play the, the sequels. But yeah, you know, it's, I guess it's the boring answer, but yeah, RE1, there from the, the start. Blake, what about you? Resident Evil 1. Nice. I had the I had the big case, the big PlayStation One case. Y'all remember those? They were like, yep, larger. Uh, it's like the weird. They had the weird spines. I had that. The only one I ever yeah. had of that was the original Twisted Metal. Mm. That I can remember. Yeah. Matt Storm asks, as you know, I am a giant coward, much like you, Alex, when it comes to horror games. I love the original RE4 because it was more action oriented and less scary than other entries. Based on what you played in the remake, was that vibe preserved, or is it much scarier now? I think both. Yeah, I think it's... I didn't have problems. You jumped at one point in the demo, and we all saw Alex, like... That's true, the, yeah. The producer made, I, I, the producer I, I, made I, I, it a script. point to, like, call you out on it. <laughs> and it was at the scripted cinematic that I knew there was going to be an enemy. Uh, <laughs> but I think in the original... The intro, and I think in the original, he's standing by the fireplace... And in the remake, he's behind a door that you walk by. And so it just, it just caught me off guard. Um, Everyone in the room reacted like, oh, we got, we got you, huh? <laughs> it was yeah. pretty great. And it was like the most um, obvious, too. Like, I knew it was coming, but it still got me. <laughs> but I think I think the answer is both. Where they, they said the action was still going to be a big part of it. It definitely was in what we played. But I, it does feel... It has a similar oppressive, like, it definitely feels a little bit darker and more oppressive that sort of harkens, like, the recent, like, Resident Evil games, like, 7 and 8 a little bit. I mean, I think, well, I think it just being an ERE engine helps with that. And I think it's scary in a sense that, like, the villagers just look scarier because of just the tech, you know? Like, you look at their faces and you're like, oh, I don't, they look mad, I, they look creepy. Like, they, everything just looks creepier. So, in that sense, it's scarier. Uh, but whether or not it maintains that throughout, I don't know. But I, I think it has a darker tone overall. Uh, Mash Start Button asks, I was a huge Resident Evil fan until Resident Evil 3 Nemesis and haven't played a Resident Evil game since. Made it two games? Yeah. The Nemesis mechanic <laughs> of an omniscient, omnipotent enemy turned me off completely. Has there ever been a mechanic in a game that was so off-putting to you that you dropped the entire series completely? The entire series, man. I've dropped games, but series. Probably like an uncountable amount. I have very low patience for video games. So you're done with the Callisto Protocol as a series now. If they if they do number two, you're like, nope. Yeah, series is an interesting fold to it. Yeah, I feel like I'll give games a chance if I liked it enough. But if they had the one thing, you're like, no. But if they did like a sequel that got rid of the thing. Then I'll be like, okay, I'll give it a try because I liked it. Um, man, that's a good question. When Assassin's Creed put RPG stuff in it, I dropped it like yesterday's dinner. I was like, I'm good. Oh yeah, I but I never even tried those to know if it would put me off. Like, <laughs> what was the first one they did that with? The Egypt uh, origins. One? Yeah, yeah. I was like, I'm good. No, thank you. I'm out. Bye. I never touched it again. Man, I f- I feel like I have an a- answers for this, but I'm like, Alex, do you have an answer to this? When my closest answer is Splinter Cell, what conviction? They changed up a lot of the action. It became less, of, more of an action game and less of a stealth game. But I think Black did Blacklist come out after that. So I guess I didn't drop the series. Ooh, 
so that doesn't count. Actually, I know the answer. For me, it's a Sonic the Hedgehog, which is an interesting because like when it went through 3D with Sonic Adventure, I know people love those first two Sonic Adventure games, but I think me being a Genesis kid, I just I've never really completely gelled with 3D Sonic. So like outside of it looking cool in the Dreamcast back in the day, of like wow, look at a graphics, look at that whale, and then you, I picked it up and played it and was like. This is not how I want to play Sonic the Hedgehog. This feels bad. <laughs> and and all those 3D games are like the vast majority of them to me are terrible. And it's interesting because like I keep I still keep giving them chances, but it's also with the like I don't have any hope that I'll it's gonna be good or like expectations that'll be good. Maybe I hope of like maybe this will be the one, and then it doesn't. So then I never like there's some of those I just skip because it's like nope that's just not that's just not how I like Sonic I like 2D Sonic I've never thought I don't think he works in 3D or if they they haven't made it work in 3D Frontiers is maybe the closest they've gotten but yeah maybe that's sort of that I think that fits the spirit of the answer like I definitely wrote it off in the sense that I I don't expect those games to be good anymore because yeah yeah you're like i might check this out but my expectations have plummeted through the floor but if you announce a 2d one then i get really excited <laughs> yeah i can't think of one um that's a good question rob emails us podcast at gameinformer.com uh saying hello gi crew after reading about the leak with suicide squad being a live service game i went to the official website and saw that the site totes the quote from the creators of the Arkham series, in quotes, marketing. My question is, what is the limit for us to be excited about a developer? Rocksteady hasn't made a game for seven years. When do you consider a developer to be a has-been? That's harsh. Uh, Especially when developers get laid (laughs) off all the time and people move around to different places. Is there a point to care about developers' hype anymore? I mean, it depends on one, their overall portfolio, like quality, and especially the last game they made, if it was good. And if that's, and I guess I could see like if there have been any major departures of like, hey, the the chief creative minds behind the things you like are gone now. So even if there is the team that did it, maybe you know it's not that same team. But I think, I mean, I think for Rocksteady, at least to me, all three of those Arkham games were really good. You know, some better than others, but like Arkham Knight, I think is a really good game. So like they're coming off a really good game, even though it's been seven years. I don't think that means that like there has been it's just that they've just taken a long time to make their next thing <laughs> but, you know what I, mean? uh, I, I think uh, i used to be a massive gears of war fan like massive um whoa, whoa, whoa. What, what, why are you saying this in past tense <laughs> and hold on after after gears three i just felt like uh they didn't change up the formula enough after like and i hear five i hear five is that change uh, and I'm I'm excited to play it, but for a long time it was just like I wasn't getting what I wanted really out of it because I was a big multiplayer guy, and eh, at the time no, I like the story too. I don't know. Um, this is a weird question for me. Did you um, play? Was it? I was gonna. I'm trying to figure out. Was it Gears Three where you're like I'm done, or was it Judgment that you're like oh boy? No, I actually liked Judgment, uh, the multiplayer mode um, where you played as the Horde. I played the hell out of that with my dad. I think it was just like a little too much too soon like they were just kind of hammering hammering those games out um for a long time and i think uh, i got a little over it all we have a listener question here from um aj moser at radmir on twitter can blake talk about why gears of war 5 is the best gears of war game ever released thanks for asking 
Alex, have you played this thing? No, I want. Oh, I do want to. Oh my god, Ge- Gears dude. Five is really. It is really good. Gears Five, dude. The horde mode in Gears Five out of control. We gotta play it. I'll install it tonight and play with you. I do have my Xbox. I think the to go back to the question. I think the developer for me that sticks out is probably Bioware. Of like you know prior to mass effect andromeda it was like anything that studio does i'm like hell yeah i love those mass effect games i I like those dragon ages you know they they don't miss generally and then being burned by andromeda they're like okay well but then that was like one it wasn't it was like oh man but you're like oh but i'm still excited for the next thing you know everyone slips up no one has no one's perfect forever you know what i mean and then anthem happens and you're like oh oh no this is like this is worse <laughs> than what, and I was excited for Anthem because how could you not? You're like, wow, a bunch of team up with your friends in Iron Man suits and go do cool stuff. I'm that's cool, and it, but somehow it still got the story driven RPG stuff. That seems ambitious, but they could probably pull that off, right? And then they super didn't. So now they're kind of like in the doghouse, where I have cautious optimism for Dragon Age Four and whatever the next mass effect winds up being called so it, it it's like you know you gotta miss a few times even like if you're like a a stellar developer when you miss too many times you know depending on how passionate you are about their output like if you consider for yourself like a fanboy or girl for like i love this series no matter what so i'll keep playing it maybe sonic fans were a good example of that <laughs> but yeah you just gotta you know sometimes it's so what have you done for me lately kind of thing right we're like oh no you guys did that cool thing way back in the day but the stuff that's come afterwards hasn't been you know up to par actually i i've been thinking as you were talking marcus the previous question from mash start button about has there ever been a mechanic a game that kind of put you off the entire series and it's not like like i i still play going back to the gears question a little bit it was actually they took away a mechanic that felt very off-putting to me it was called wall bouncing um, and it was very, very prominent in uh, Gears multiplayer. Um, like it was like a very, uh, I, I guess it was more of an advanced technique. Um, and they kind of slowly took it away. Um, like they kind of continued to nerf it pretty much after every game after Gears 1 because it created a much higher skill ceiling, I think, than they wanted in their multiplayer. And so they the gear slowly became slower and slower than the first game. Uh, and I, I kind of, uh, and I was a big, like I, I competed, you know, I did tournaments. That was like uh, one of the first games I got really competitive in. And I think they kind of slowly made the game more um, beginner friendly and that it was slower and like there was less of a skill gap. Um, and I think they've kind of remedied some of that in recent games but that's kind of what turned me off of it was they kind of took away a mechanic that i really loved um and it was kind of like part of that game's identity for me and yeah so rob's question kind of reminded me of that too kind of all kind of ties together but but yeah i was gonna add too to the time part of like if a developer takes too long does it make you lose excitement for them and i think yeah it's all relative right because again if their last thing before going silent was like really good and as i think the big thing is like as long as there aren't any like major personnel changes in those years then it's like well the people are still there so i'm fine like rockstar takes forever to do anything 
but like i never think of them as like oh they're losing their touch because they're taking too long because <laughs> they're like no that's just how they that's just how they operate they take their time and you know now it's a different case because like you know one of the housers is gone but i mean before that you know waiting for red dead 2 or gta 5 i wasn't like oh man it's been forever since gta 4 they're losing their touch it's like nah, it's just it's just what they do or like red dead 2 you're like ah, it's just everyone's still there the whole gang's here at least for the most part and i, I mean gta 5 i uh, had some issues but i think overall it's enjoyable i love red dead 2 personally it's my game of the year but <laughs> i think in the case with rockstar they they lost a lot of key personnel by the time they hit gta 5 and um red dead 2 like geronimo barrero was gone and two of the founders were gone but like their games have gotten better as they've shedded some of that weight which i don't know where that stands in terms of this like by all for all intents and purposes culture seems there better there these days after recent departures and like their two most popular games came after some really high profile departures so i don't know i also don't like the idea that like when people see high profile departures from a studio, they're like, oh, the studio's doomed. And it's like, well, no, a game industry problem is we create figureheads. Yeah. And games are made by hundreds, often sometimes thousands of people. Just because one person left doesn't negate the work of a thousand other people. So, like, right. I don't know. It's a little bit of a strange question to me. I don't exactly know the answer. But like, it's also personal answer too, right? Because it's like, what does it take for you to lose interest? I, yeah, I mean, I also don't think like, I don't think my excitement for games is tied to a studio. If that makes sense, like, I like Capcom games a lot, but like, I don't play every Capcom game. And if they put out like three things I think look bad in a row, I'm not gonna be like, oh shit flop era you know so it's like i I guess i don't totally understand the question i also think like high profile departures means less it's just indicative of the way we've ignored that teams make games and we'd rather call like neil Druckmann the creator of the last of us rather than the four to five hundred people that created the last of us you know what i'm saying even the co-creator which is what he exactly yeah yeah yeah. so like (laughs) outside of rare examples i'm never that i i don't think i see departures like that is necessarily a bad thing i mean for all intents and purposes like toshiro nagoshi left rgg and they seem to be doing just fine you know, I don't know if Kojima leaves Kojima Productions. Do they suffer? Who's to say? I it's not a case. Uh, it's a case by case basis. But like, I also don't yeah. like the idea of posturing one name as like this is all the studio's guys. This one dude. It's like well, that's not really true. True. Yeah. Like I said, there's so many variables to this question. So even if it's just like the studio and not a figurehead, it's like as long as your output has always been pretty good, they can take their time. Yeah. I think maybe Nintendo's the best example because they go years between like that Mario team putting out a new Mario. You're going to be waiting like five years minimum pretty much. <laughs> but then more often than not, when it, one comes out, it's like, oh, this is the best thing ever. I love this. And then you don't really, I don't think anyone ever accuses them of being has-beens because it's like, oh, they take, they're taking too long to make this new Zelda. Yeah. You know, or whatever. And you're like, well, if their track record is any indication, this will probably be totally fine or excellent, you know, so. Yeah, I mean, Ueda, Fumito Ueda takes like 42 years between his games and people still put those in <laughs> museums around the world when they come out. So, you know. Yeah, I guess it just depends. Depends on the studio. Depends what they've done. Depends who's there. 
the what between the last time they did anything yeah it's yeah i guess for me personally you really gotta you really gotta blow it like consistently before i start going okay but i think i'll always and maybe it's because i'm it's the enthusiast part of me and the journalist part like i'll always have some interest when like a noteworthy studio makes anything even if they haven't hit in a while because it's like oh, it's still that team they're doing something kind of curious about it i don't know if that means i'll play it but i'm like even then i feel like plenty of studios have gone through their flop era and bounce back like how many times have people been like platinum sucks they're dead and then they drop something like near automata and it's like oh they've never the kings are back here they are you know granted that i mean capcom is that a was publisher direct. went through that and now they're enjoying their nice little renaissance yeah you know? so I, I i don't know it's a thinker though it's a good question from who who was it sent it in <laughs> alex oh rob oh just rob <laughs> thanks hey, thanks rob rob, rob zombie <laughs> i was expecting i don't know why i was expecting like a really crazy name for such a a thinker but i i kind of like that it's just good old rob <laughs> just <laughs> well i think that's gonna do it for the show this week blake marcus thank you for for joining me i uh, thank you everybody out there for listening for the questions uh, we'll, we'll be back next Thursday with another episode. And yeah, in the meantime, share the show with a friend if you don't mind. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, and don't forget to go and follow these guys uh, at Marcus Stewart 7 and at Metallica is Rad. And I'm at It's Van Aken. All right, we'll see you next week. Bye.